What's happening, everybody? On today's show, we're going to talk all things recruiting with our new recruiting insider, Brian Smith. We'll find out about some of the recent commits and uh, what is going on across the SEC. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And shout out to our everydayers joining us every day. And joining us right now is our new recruiting insider, Brian Smith. You can follow him on Twitter at FBS Scout underscore Florida. Uh, Brian, welcome in, man. Good to have you. I guess uh, first and foremost, introduce you to our listeners, uh, give everybody a little background of uh, your lengthy time in covering recruiting here over, over the years. Um, I've been a recruiting nut since I was in high school in the early 90s, and I followed it, and I was one of the first guys when the internet really got started going in the 90s. It worked with rivals and other other companies, Scout, etc. And I, I got back into it recently with Fan Nation. I'm the publisher of the All Hurricane site, covering Miami. But I, living in Florida, and I live in Central Florida, and right now I'm down in the Miami area scouting. Every school recruits down here, <laughs> whether they want to or not. So uh, yesterday I was at a practice at Miami Norland, and Auburn was there. You know what I mean? It's and you know I was at a practice the other day. There were four SEC schools there at Tampa Catholic. So. It's fun because the backstories in this state, especially with SEC schools, is always a blast to discuss. Yeah, it, it, there's always something going on, and, and there's always some big time <laughs> yes. recruit that that's you know maybe under the radar or everybody on everybody else's radar. But I want to start here, Brian. We got to start with the number one, first and foremost, top recruit for 2024. He is Dylan Rayola. He just committed to the Georgia Bulldogs this week. I know USC was making a push. I know USC's not going to stop making a push. They're going to keep coming after him. But uh, what'd you make of the announcement? And um, you know what is Georgia getting in Dylan Rayola? They're getting a ready-made physical stature guy. He looks like he's going into the draft. Uh, for those of you that don't know, his father was a war daddy, played at Nebraska, played for the Lions, etc. Tremendous football player, but he was an offensive lineman. His kid's not near as big, but his frame reminds me of like Troy Aikman. It's ridiculous. He, he fits the prototypical pocket passer that goes to the NFL, but Dylan is pretty mobile. He makes a lot of throws off record or off off kilter. Like he'll have a guy up in his face. He'll throw across his body. He uses his arm angles very, very well. And the arm strength is truly NFL level as well. And it showed that even as a sophomore. He didn't put up like junior footage on his huddle. And to be honest, it doesn't really matter. He has the physical tools that you want to develop. Now, he's a big risk taker. He's a bit of a gunslinger. I don't know if I'd rank him number one. But his upside is number one because he's a quarterback. And in Georgia's system where they run a lot of play action, and obviously they have their run games tremendous every single year, it's pretty easy to run play action in Georgia. And Rayola is going to have a lot of guys to throw to. The Tuggle kid they have committed, it, he can get down the field. They have spot players that can run. Their offense is changing. So Georgia not only has a great talent, now they're starting to utilize guys like that anyway. It's it's going to be really hard to beat Georgia and to begin with. Now you're getting quarterbacks like this. Good luck to anybody that's going on their schedule. 
Yeah, and it, it, it's crazy. Already a, a crowded quarterback room. Uh, of the guys that are in that room, we know Carson Beck kind of expects to – he's been there, the heir apparent behind Stetson Bennett. Looks like he's going to win that job and it's going to be his time. But Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton, two very highly touted recruits as well in recent years. Where does Rayola kind of rank with those guys in your mind just, you know, coming on to campus? I mean, is, is Rayola a guy that could jump Vandergriff and Stockton on the depth chart in, in 2024? Or does Brock and, and, and Gunnar kind of have the leg up there? I think it's a combination of events. Number one, I don't know who it's going to be. Somebody's leaving. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was two or three guys. That's just the way it is. You, you recruit as many good players as you can, and, and it just falls where it does. I, I've talked to a lot of coaches about this. And Ohio State's kind of the model. They, they sign a four- or five-star quarterback every year. They've got a transfer just about every year, too, or a guy that, you know, just kind of gives it up. It's not going to be any different in Georgia. The guy that wins the job – it's, it's the kid you talked about, but there, he has to have a backup, and it's going to be who does the best in the film room, who does the best when guys like us can't see it. And that's why evaluating quarterback is so hard. It's the chalkboard, man. And all these guys can really – like Gunnar Stockton's a hell of a quarterback, but if he doesn't pick up the offense, it doesn't matter. So whichever one of those guys does will win, and I, I know Kirby does not care. He will play Rayola. He'll be the backup if he earns it. So, and I'm sure he would like to have that kind of talent to showcase because that gets more. Oh. But it's sorry about that. There's a lot of things you can't you can't really do anything about it. You know, you just gotta let them play it out. So hopefully, hopefully, we'll find out sooner than later because I'd love to see Rayola with his style, his coach so different than anybody else George has had in recent memory. It would be fantastic. But you gotta win it. You gotta earn it. When we talk about the Bulldogs, we get all the dogs excited. Uh, Brian, uh, a thought on there was a quote that came out this week from an anonymous uh, offensive coach in the SEC who said he believes Rayola, uh, the upside, is is more so than Arch Manning. I know Arch gets all the attention because of the Manning name and all that, but would you agree in kind of what you've seen from Rayola and Arch Manning so far? It's without question. Arch is going to be – as what I was just talking about with the chalkboard and all that, can you imagine if he has a question? Uh, his three main resources, <laughs> his grandfather, his father, is in an extra one, but it's too long. I mean, it's ridiculous. So is he as physically gifted as Rayola? No, he is not. Uh, along with many other people in the recruiting industry, we all knew Arch was really good, but many of us didn't even think he was one of the top three quarterbacks, let alone top three players in the country. He was ranked high because of clicks. Anybody that tells you otherwise is full of it. Uh, you could write anything on him and it would explode. It's just true. It's just true. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be a starter at Texas for a few years, and that's just the way it is. So there are other guys I thought were better. Rayola's upside is way higher because he's got a bigger arm and he's a better athlete. So we'll, we'll see what he can do. But, again, it's, it comes down to the chalkboard, man. Um, if he figures that out, he's going to be the first pick in the draft whenever he decides to come out. Last thought on Rayola. I'm just kind of curious because you've been doing this for such a long time. Who who were some of the best quarterback recruits you saw in in the high school ranks or at camps? And you went, okay, that kid is going to be a stud. And where would you put Rayola in that category? Uh, last year, I thought Dante Moore was the best. I got to know him a little bit. He's a really sharp kid, very down to earth. If he missed a throw, he'd go talk to the guy. They'd figure it out. Very mature. And that's usually the difference between the guy that's just got the big arm and the guy that scores touchdowns and wins games. It's above the shoulders. Again, it's all the little things. 
when we were at Elite 11, they, man, last year's group of quarterbacks, you could have picked about five different guys and said, that's going to be the top pick in the draft. Or, that guy's going to end up being a Heisman contender. It was just one of those groups. I thought Moore was one of them. But, I mean, a certain Bulldog who's now playing for the Rams is one of the, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> Carrollton High School and all those, I think they've had like six guys end yeah. up in the NFL. And so, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And not not, not like, Stetson Bennett, you're talking Matthew Stafford, right? Because yeah, there's, well, there's two Bulldogs playing for the Rams now. Yeah, that's hilarious, by the way. Who would have thought? That's one of the greatest stories in college football history. Right. Stetson Bennett's story is, is just tremendous. But Stafford was like, you watched about three clips of his film, you're like, okay. I don't. He's what, what like literally, I used to hang around Urban Meyer's staff when he was at Bowling Green. It was a, it was a term. He's a three clipper. We can't get him. Yeah. This is before he went to Utah and all that. They'd watch a kid in Ohio. They're like, well, that's an Ohio State kid. We, we have no chance. That's what Matthew Stafford was. Everybody knew he was the best player, and that was that. Was that. Um, there have been a few others, but as far as just sheer upside, you could make an argument that Rayola is as talented as any quarterback in the last decade because of all the physical tools. You can't teach the size. You certainly can't teach the arm, and he's got a little bit of moxie to him with how he finds ways when he's got a guy in his face. He either makes him miss – or makes you miss and like this the crazy arm angle kind of throw. Those are things that the NFL wants to see, and he was doing that as a sophomore in high school. So, yeah, he's as good as it gets. By the way, Dante Moore at UCLA, so if anybody was wondering mm-hmm. where, where he ended up. Uh, we're going to get to more with Brian Smith in just a second, but first we want to remind you guys this episode is presented to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Look, if you're looking for some comfortable shorts or just you know to, to lounge around in, to be on the go this summer, Bird Dogs is the way to go. Their stretchy fabric will make your legs look great, and they're more comfortable than your normal shorts or pants. And what I love is the versatility about them. You can wear them to Disney World. You can wear them on a picnic you could wear them on a date you could wear them to the office whatever you're doing uh they are comfortable and uh like we said versatile you can get them wet you can uh, go jog in them you can uh just go out to dinner in them whatever you're doing bird dogs are going to make you feel comfortable and if you go to their website birddogs.com slash locked on college when you enter our promo code locked on college they're going to throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. I'm telling you, it's a legit tumbler. It's got the Bird Dogs logo on it. It's awesome. Go check them out. Birddogs.com slash locked on college and use our promo code locked on college. All right, continuing our recruiting talk with our buddy uh, Brian Smith. And uh, a reminder, you guys, thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. And a reminder to our everydayers, tomorrow we'll be talking about the Tennessee Volunteers. And that's where I want to start here, Brian. It's interesting. Um, Tennessee landed a huge commitment on Wednesday morning from a kid I'd never heard of. And I think a lot of other recruiting people haven't heard of this kid. He's a four-star athlete named Emmanuel Okoye. Looking into it, He's been at the NFL Academy in England. He was originally born in Nigeria. And even better news for Tennessee, it sounds like he's going to reclassify and get into this 2023 class and be eligible to hit the field for Tennessee this year. My question is, a six foot five, 230-pounder over in England, first off, how do recruiting services even find him? Because a lot of different sites I've looked at didn't even know who this kid was. That's just a contact deal. That, that school over there, they talk to people. Uh, Notre Dame took a kid from uh, Germany a few years ago. There have been a handful of guys kind of doing that. I know here in, in Florida where I live, Clearwater Academy International gets some of those kinds of kids to transfer over there, Italy, Germany, Sweden, et cetera. So there are different contacts, but it is a small group of people that know it. And once somebody gets that phone number, 
I mean, you might as well hit it up. You got nothing to lose. <laughs> and he's got the right measurables. So you can never have enough D-linemen, brother. So he's going to get his shot. And good for him. That's a great story. When you when you mentioned that name to me off air, I'm like, who? Yeah. So, I mean, I was not on that phone list. I can assure you. <laughs> I, I'm not in the know on the uh, England and Germany kind of guys. I, I'm not. But well, what's what's interesting is te- Texas Tech and USC also had offers for him. So it's, you know, it's it's like the, somebody found him along the way. But they said he, you know, projects as a defensive end, but maybe could play some tight end because of his big body frame. So an awesome gift for Josh Heupel and company. And we'll see uh, we'll see if he makes an impact for him this year. Again, I think I was reading, he like just started playing football recently. So it's those those kids, it's a great project. But man, if it pans out all the better for, for Tennessee and Josh Heupel and company. But uh, I wanted to transition into some other guys who just made some announcements. Juwan Johnson, the number seven recruit in the state of Louisiana, the number 22 athlete overall. We've become so used to LSU over the years becoming, you know, they, they throw out the moniker DBU. They, they've had a great history of great defensive backs. Kind of slowed down here the last couple of years where they've been having to dip into the transfer portal Brian Kelly has with his uh, DBs. But Juwan Johnson, this looks like getting back to the guys in the state of Louisiana, keeping them in state. I saw Jawan last year at, at his high school practice, and they play him at quarterback just to get their best athlete, the football. But the guy that was doing the, the training and all that stuff, they were just doing like basic physical workouts and stuff. He said, this kid's going to be a corner. And being that we were about an hour from Baton Rouge, I, I asked the obvious question, is he good enough to play corner at LSU? That's, I mean, that's about as good a barometer as there is, right? I mean, their list is pretty, pretty incredible, you know, Greedy Williams and all down the, on down the line. But he said, absolutely. And it was like a month or so later, he got an offer from LSU. So that's, that's a good sign. Great kid, very personable. And he was one of the guys that everybody kind of rallied around. So that, that's all good signs very fast. And I think that LSU, if they're going to get back to being LSU, as we think of them from a traditional standpoint, 80s, 90s, and into the 2000s, they had guys getting drafted at least every other year out of the secondary, and, and Jawan's one of those kids. If there are six other guys better than him in Louisiana, it's a really up year in the Bayou State. Yeah, and, and as we know, it's all about putting that perimeter around the state, and that's how Absolutely. Nick Saban won a championship, Les Miles won a championship, Coach O won a championship, and now Brian Kelly hopes to do so at LSU. Uh, Brian, I want to transition into some of the guys who are undecided, and these are some of the big names that are out there for the class of 2024. We'll start with the number one running back in Jarek Gibson, five-star running back out of your neck of the woods there in Florida. Uh, dropped the top five, three SEC schools on the list in Florida, Tennessee, and Georgia. I know Miami also made the cut. Uh, how good is Jarek Gibson, and where do you think he's trending? Texas, and he's an elite. Uh, I'll be surprised if he doesn't end up with the horns. Um, I've been around him numerous times, seven-on-seven, seven, IMG. I'm actually going to IMG after I get done with all the podcasts i got to do today. They got their spring game, but Jarek's uh, just under 210 pounds and he can fly. So he's a downhill, no nonsense runner, a great kid off the field. Yes, sir. No, sir. Pretty laid back. But when he walks up to you, you see a 25 year old man, but still has a year left of high school. Uh, he's, he's, his muscles are popping out of other muscles. He's, he was born to play running back. Um, I don't know when he's going to make an announcement, but right now I'd be shocked if it ended up being Texas. 
Yeah, and you got to think Bijan Robinson going top ten in the NFL draft is going to help, going to help Sark's uh, you know recruiting of running backs here. Uh, how about another guy, five star linebacker Jamonte Waller, the number one prep player out of the state of Mississippi. Uh, he cut his list down to ten. Uh, you know, when when there's ten, it's always like, well, this is all completely up in the air. But what stood out to me, Brian, nine SEC teams on the list. Nine of his top ten are you know Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Alabama, Auburn, A and M, Georgia, Florida. I mean, the list goes on and on. But uh, yeah, it's just interesting that this kid being from the state of Mississippi sounds like he's going to stay in the South somewhere. Well, it just depends on who you talk to. Uh, the one non-Southern program is Penn State, and they are trending for Lord only knows how many people, and Steve Wolfong even thinks that's who leads, which is just bizarre. I don't think in my life Penn State has signed a Mississippi kid. <laughs> Steve doesn't miss on that very often, though. But So when I saw that, that, that kind of caught my attention, but – He's getting pulled in every direction, as you mentioned. He can pick up the phone and pretty much call whoever he wants and go play. He's an edge rusher. That's That needs to be noted because you can never have enough of those. They change games. But his visit list, now that there's – that the limit with five, for people that don't know, has been lifted. The NCAA lifted it. You can take as many visits as you want. I have no idea. I, I don't really care if he's leaning to Penn State right now or not. That's not relevant to me because of that rule. I bet he doesn't make a final decision – until December, maybe even signing day, regardless if he commits early, because that's going to change probably for the worse, in my opinion, recruiting across the country as kids take sixth and seventh visits. Right. <laughs> well, it'll look, we talked about Bijan, uh, Micah Parsons, another high, uh, you know, highly drafted kid out of Penn State. Maybe he visions himself as the next kid to oh. go do that. Uh, That'd be a good, good part of pattern himself. <laughs> Another one, uh, Aiden Breland, the uh, defensive lineman. I know he released his uh, his top ten list, and he's got a couple SEC schools on there, Tennessee, LSU, Georgia, and A&M. But uh, what's, what's the latest on Aiden, Aiden Breland? He's a kid that I could see him going to about a half dozen different places. Uh, Miami had him on campus recently. He's been to SC a ton. He's been to SEC schools. Man, that one is really hard. And he's a 300-plus pound DT, which – that can move. He plays at modern day, arguably the most famous high school football program in the country. You could make that argument as well. He has all the makings of a national signing day kind of deal too. If you want to bet on where he's going, it's, it's like throwing money down a rabbit hole because I mean, Oregon's really after him. You, know, you could go to Bama or Georgia or something like that. I wouldn't throw my hat in any ring. Um, SC has traditionally kept those kids home, but the SEC's done so much better in LA recently I think that anybody that's getting a visit for him in the SEC should have some hope. Uh, 15 years ago, that wouldn't have happened. Now, especially the way the SEC has dominated college football, I, I think there's a lot better chance, especially somebody like Georgia who can sell their development. It's kind of hard not to look at the Bulldogs if you're a defensive lineman. Yeah, it's crazy. I think it was just two years ago we had so many quarterbacks from the state of California playing the SEC. I think it had right. Jaden Daniels, Bryce Young, Matt Corral. I mean, it was a lot of California kids coming out to the to the SEC. Uh, just a couple other ones. I saw four-star tight end Caleb Odom is limiting down his list. Georgia is on that uh, is on that list. To me, it feels like they're going to be looking for the heir apparent to Brock Bowers. But uh, what have you heard of on Caleb Odom? A couple of interesting notes on him. I, I've met him. I've been around him. Um, I was actually around his quarterback this past weekend, who's somebody you'll be talking about a lot, Juju Lewis, who's the number one player in 26, and some even think he's the best player in the country already, and he's only going to be a sophomore. But uh, Juju didn't give me any information, although I tried. Um, <laughs> the two schools that I've heard the most with him are Ole Miss 
and Miami. Here's, here's the caveat. Ole Miss is telling him receiver. If they stick with that and he really wants to, that's going to be hard to beat because a lot of coaches, as I'm sure you know, are very stubborn about changing their opinion on something. So that, that could be the edge for the Rebels. But Miami just hosted him for an unofficial visit, and he's got other officials coming up. This could get very interesting. It, what, what does he really want? Because, you know, Miami and Ole Miss, you really can't find two schools that are much more different than those two schools. So I, I don't know. Great kid, very laid back, quiet, doesn't say a whole lot. But, man, can he play. Uh, I saw him play live. His length and his size, there's a reason he has all the offers he does. Caleb Odom's one of the best flex tight ends in the country. One more on, a, on an undecided uh, junior, Selman Bridges, six foot three, hundred seventy pound defensive back, uh, rated the number five cornerback in the country. But I uh, know he's trimmed down his list. Got a lot of the Texas schools on there: Texas, Texas A and M, Texas Tech, but LSU, Oklahoma, some other teams in the mix. Uh, what have you heard on Selman Bridges? I'm going to give you the wild card, and this is a personal bias here. I've covered UCF, and and T. Will is now the DC at Arkansas. And he's a tremendous recruiter, and he is very much into length at corner. And Bridges, as you noted, I mean, he's a tree. Uh, thin kid, and he's had some weight, but he can run and he can flip his hips. The Arkansas Razorbacks will be the wild card there. I know Texas and several other schools that you mentioned would love to get him. But Arkansas is my dark horse pick. Um, a kid like that, though, if he commits early because of his, his rare measurables, you know, L- you think LSU is going to stop recruiting him or Texas or whatever? No. So he could be a kid that goes into the, the later hours of recruiting as well. But uh, my, my dark horse, again, Arkansas. Continue our conversation with our buddy Brian Smith, our new recruiting insider. And, Brian, uh, love talking recruiting with you, but I did want to talk some kind of big-picture stuff with you on our final segment uh, around the SEC. I want to start here. The Alabama quarterback battle is one that we're all watching, man. Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson were two very highly touted recruits. They battled it out. There were turnovers in the spring game. Nick Saban didn't like what he saw. So he and Tommy Reese went to Notre Dame, brought Tyler Buckner in, another kid who was a highly touted recruit, but the numbers didn't weren't eye-popping at Notre Dame. But where are we? I mean, this feels like the it is a wide-open competition going throughout this summer between those three. Well, as somebody who is a Notre Dame fan by trade, I can tell you that uh, I wasn't all that sad to see him go. He's always hurt. Uh, he's an athlete. But he made, he threw three picks in the bowl game, but was still MVP, which is bizarre. <laughs> I mean, that's he had two pick sixes and was MVP in a bowl game. I bet you that's the only time that's ever happened in any bowl game. But he's electric when he has the ball in his hands. I mean, I don't, is Alabama going to shift their offense that much? Um, Tommy did recruit him to Notre Dame. He got him to commit early. But he ironically, Tommy's more of a pocket passer guy, and that's not what he does. It, it's very bizarre. But Milrow is not a pocket guy. I would think Simpson would fit what Tommy does the best. But apparently if Nick gave him the go-ahead to go get somebody else, that didn't work out real well this spring either. So your guess is good as mine, man. Are they going to end up playing multiple guys like games one and two and then picking somebody? You know, that's something Saban's done in the past. But I don't think in his tenure at Bama there's been a more large and wide-open quarterback situation than this one. Maybe I'm missing something. Um, Chris, if you got it, let me know. But since 207, I don't I don't think so. I, I think, Brian, they're going to get back to the old school Bama ways of about a decade ago where they're going to ground and pound and, and play aggressive blitzing defense, and they're just going to look for a game manager 
at quarterback. I'll, uh, you know, A.J. McCarron, that kind of thing. You know, maybe, you know, they've had this great run of Tua and Mac Jones and, and uh, Bryce Young, elite quarterback play. But I feel like maybe they say, let's take a step back and let's just go traditional here. They could because I don't know if they have an option. <laughs> so, you know, Bryce Young's not coming back, man. It is what it is. I uh, just have one one or two quick more thoughts before we wrap up here, Brian. Uh, LSU, they add running back Logan Diggs through the transfer portal from Notre Dame, um, a kid who was very highly touted out of uh, the Rummel area in New Orleans. This is what Brian Kelly's done through the transfer portal. He gets Louisiana kids that went elsewhere and brings them back home. LSU's got some question marks at that running back spot, so this feels like a kid who could maybe come and, and help answer the call. If he can stay healthy, he's an NFL player. I saw Diggs play at Rummel. Uh, great guy, by the way. He's got the big body frame. Uh, he caught one of Buckner's passes for a touchdown in that South Carolina game, ironically. And he, he's, he's a downhill guy. He just has to stay healthy. He's been banged up for a lot of his career at Notre Dame. And there was a certain number seven at Notre Dame he didn't want to compete with anymore. It's a little, little easier. That, that guy's going to get drafted pretty high. He's going to have a chance. I mean, if he's, if he's really dedicated – like you said, LSU needs help at running back, and he's a every down back. Hard to find guys that are 215 that can be an every down back. Logan Diggs is that guy. By the way, top three kids to come out of Rummel in New Orleans. Number one, Jamar Chase. Number two, Logan Diggs. And number three, Chris Gordy. So there you go. Just, just letting you know there. Uh, Brian, as we wrap things up, let listeners know uh, where they can find all your work. Yeah, man, it's uh, a pleasure to be here. FB Scout underscore Florida. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, that's that's where it's at. I, I operate the All Hurricane site on Fan Nation, but I talk about everybody. I, I did an article on Miami, New Orleans. They, they, every coach in the country is going to go through that school. I was there yesterday. So I do a lot of generalization on recruits, and there's a lot of SE stuff, and you're, SEC and, stuff. And you're making a lot of camp visits here over these next couple of weeks, right? Well, that's you have to. This May is the most important month of the year for recruiting analysts because all the kids that are going to be seniors that get a chance to play more and all that, some of the new risers, this is their time to shine. So they got to figure it out and uh, we got to see. Brian, it's been a pleasure talking with you, man. And I look forward to do it again real soon. All right. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. That's uh, Brian Smith there. Our new recruiting insider here on Locked on SEC, and he does a uh, tremendous job. Give him a follow. Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. And again, shout out to our everydayers for joining us uh, tomorrow on the show. We'll switch gears, talk a little Tennessee volunteers. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. Talk to you guys tomorrow.